0: So good evening everyone, <clears throat> not quite sure how to begin. Can I be with that? <laughs> this is what we keep saying isn't it, so all good talk. <laughs> When I was first thinking about what to reflect on this evening with you, I I was reminded of a non-residential three-day retreat I taught in Finland a little while ago, um, which took as its theme the Paramis, which is another one of these wonderful lists of wonderful qualities that we're supposed to cultivate, like patience and generosity and all these good things. And at some point, either during the retreat or just before, I suddenly had this very strong sense of, but what about the other side? (laughs) The shadow side. (laughs) So um, a little bit that is part of the motivation or intention to to touch a little bit or to, to kind of, um, in a way, I'm not quite sure how this is going to unfold. But in that particular retreat, I had this—I had this idea of we would all draw our demons on big pieces of paper. Perhaps this is a future workshop. You know, just watch the website, see what happens. And we would all draw them in glorious Technicolor and put them on the walls, <laughs> have them in the room with us, pay respect to them. now what is that um, do not was it if you ignore the defilements they'll laugh at you I'm just that's wrong isn't it Does anybody know what I'm trying to quote anyway so this sense of I feel like we've been touching on and talking to you individually and in groups is what we find in practice any practice whether it's this kind of Brahma Vihara practice or any kind of Dharma practice I think where we find that uh, things um, that feel difficult and obstructive and uh, hard to understand and and seem to impede our progress on the path and this happens right And so we're in the realm of the hindrances, the defilements, that wonderful medieval kind of word, meaning maybe different things. Afflictive emotions is another, I kind of like that one. You know, the kinds of emotions that you feel afflicted by, perhaps there's ones that we don't feel so afflicted by, but there's some that are very, you know, difficult for us, aren't they? so it feels to me, and, and I don't know if this is true for you, is something to see in your experiences, that a lot of our suffering actually comes from our inability, or our, 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 mm, our, our sense of disempowerment or confusion or mm, lack of skill in, in meeting what is emotionally painful. when I when I look at my experience I don't know if it's it's true for you I I can feel that I can see that a lot of how experience becomes this stressful this this sense of stress and struggle comes in is is when I look at that really carefully one of the key know causes and conditions or cause or condition is this a sense of not really being mindful not knowing what is actually happening on an emotional level and so I feel like this this what I want to try and touch on in this talk is a little bit about how we can relate skillfully to the realm of emotion, and uh, understanding that this is part of the human realm, and that it's a source of great richness and and a sense of it's such a part of our humanity. It can help us to feel connected with others. So, so there's something about it's a like it's a messy complexity, isn't it? Because even even something we might label as difficult, you know, distressing, it's actually in in certain conditions, it actually becomes a doorway to connection, or a condition for the arising of compassion, or or a like a real place of insight, actually, in revelation. So yet again, we're back to this sense of it's not so much what's happening it's how we relate to it that is really this skill that we're honing we're honing and developing in relationship to our inner and outer experience you know all levels and and it's uh, you know it feels to me like a lifetime's work because conditions are continually changing aren't they no it's just you don't you don't quite know like I heard recently a very senior teacher, you know, very, whatever you might want to label that person, very realized or something like that, a mature practitioner or something like that, you know, very, very difficult time when that person's mother died and just was shocked, you know, kind of, oh, I didn't, you know, say, oh, so you never know. And that the emotions can come very strongly. I Also remember hearing a story about Thich Nhat Han that you know he was he was giving a talk somewhere, and um, big public talk, lots of people. And uh, somebody in the audience said something, and and so this sto- this is, I think I read it in a book, or I heard it in a talk or something. And the story was that he 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 got up from his seat and went and left the hall. I really hope I'm remembering this accurately, memory. I hope it's accurate. <laughs> um, and then his attendant, or somebody who was with him, you know, came outside to see if he's okay and what's happening. And he was just—he said, "I am so angry. I'm like, I'm so angry. I'm like, wow. <laughs> I am so angry." Wow. I now. I'm slightly imagining what he might have said. But and he said, "I had to come outside and breathe with my anger," you know. And uh, so I thought, "Wow." And somewhere else, he wrote you know, take your take your anger by the hand like a little brother he told him I just thought that was so beautiful and I imagine him taking the, his anger by the hand taking him outside to have a breath of fresh air before he came back in also I, I remember hearing somewhere that Dalai Lama is another person a lot of us really look up to and uh, revere and he, Apparently, some you know people like him with all this research done on them. <laughs> I think one of the pieces of research done was on his face, and apparently, he has—I don't know if anybody knows this—but like he has such a young face, and all the muscles of his face were all kind of really exercised because he experienced so many different emotions. <laughs> I hope I'm not inventing, I'm not inventing this. Honestly, no, no. I do remember this. <laughs> But doesn't it make sense, you know, you hear of him, he's laughing and then he's crying with somebody and just this sense of somebody who's, you know, very wise, very realized and just very, very free, very, very very emotionally, what's the word, hmm, whatever I'm doing with my hands, what's that, kind of, is motile, is that, hmm, or something anyway, flexible, and I think, wow, that's something maybe I would aspire to. And I think sometimes we feel like it in a retreat or in meditation, like, mm, you know, the Buddha. Mm. <laughs> I'm holding my breath. It's like, this is the goal. <laughs> you know, no emotion, don't cry in the hall, don't howl, you know, no howling aloud. <laughs> and it can almost like translate into this feeling of, Somehow I'm not allowed to be human and feel and and have emotions. But I think there's also something in this I've been reflecting on um, a lot over over the years in different ways of how different we all are. <laughs> there's a nice truism for you, um, but in terms of psychological temperament or. That, that many ways we have different maybe relationships to emotionality to this to this realm that for some of us maybe it's actually quite a predominant and and it just that's a lot of how we experience life and how we process life and what we see and kind of look for and resonate in other people right it's, I don't know if that that feels to me like that there's some of us who are like that, we just, you know, cry at the drop of a hat, and like, oh, great, I'm crying, you know. Or other people who, um, perhaps, you know, emotionality is is actually not so central to the process of life, to the sense of uh, of relating, uh, of working, of of, um, of of living. That it's there, but it's more muted, or it's it just doesn't have the Uh, the sort of central predominant place so I think there are temperamental psychological differences with that and so we don't all have to be the same with this do we and and then also within that there is probably our upbringing conditioning isn't there where we have been trained and taught about this stuff haven't we you know this is how you do it this is what you don't do you can feel sad but you can't feel angry you, you can feel angry, but you must never never ever show any happiness that's not on <laughs> I mean you know I'm exaggerating slightly, but I also I'm speaking from experience that that actually in certain you know in certain conditions or places you know it's like it's not you don't do that so you know you know and it's perhaps you will understand and and then how what, what we, how we learn to be as people. It's all layers upon layers, isn't it? And then we come into Buddhist practice. And, you know, it's, it's really interesting to me because I think that both in terms of our temperament and our conditioning, maybe we're drawn to different kinds of practice, different kinds of spiritual practice, you know, different kinds of Buddhist communities. We go to the ones where we can talk a lot and sing and kind of emote. And then, or... <laughs> We're drawn to the ones where we very really quiet still. Not necessarily because we're less emotional, but we like to kind of process it internally or with one other. Or Do you see what I'm saying? I, I think this is so important because it, it's, it's like honoring our natural tendencies and our, and, and our conditioning and our temperament. But at the same time, looking to that and saying, okay, what have I got to learn here? actually what 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 do i need to to learn what's my journey with this emotionality both in myself and others you know and again that's going to be different for different ones of us isn't it? i know one example for me is that to understand that people who don't necessarily you know cry a lot and shout and (laughs) still feel they feel things they may have very strong kind of emotionality but it, it just doesn't express itself yeah? Or people who are more um, there is this sense of um, great cognitive clarity you know, this kind of conceptual brilliance or you know this what I can sometimes hear is this very cool clear mind that that sometimes I realize and I recognize in that something I need to cultivate myself. And I think over the years that sense of 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 having that as a counterbalance and honouring the need to be be clear and just to kind of not over-rely on uh, the emotional and the feeling realm for um, for discernment and, clair- and and wisdom which is a lot there but so what I'd like to offer a little bit of is a particular sort of slightly well, we'll call it kind of um, analytical tool or way of um, deconstructing. Doesn't feel like quite the right word. It's also it's a it's a kind of a mindfulness tool to bring to uh, emotional life how you're how you're feeling right now. So it's something some of you may know. It's um, based on, a, I actually think it came. I think it came from an American Insight teacher. Rain. It's an acronym: R A I N. Recognize, accept, investigate, and non-identify. So I'd like to go through this, each one of these steps. And I think it's a wonderful tool to bring to our practice. And if you would like, during, during this talk while I go through this, if you want to for yourself, you could actually highlight, oh, where's a pattern that I'd like to shed a bit of light on here? Uh, maybe something that's coming up for you in the retreat or something you live, live with a lot. And it doesn't have to be like a big thing. And I think it, 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 it's, it's something, it can be quite subtle, can't it? And also, I, I just another thing I want to say before I go through the the structure is another way in which I think we're different, again, big topic I know with 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 the emotions, is some of us, I think, we, we think the emotion, and we're not so tuned in to the actual emotion and the sense of it in the body. So for example, judgment, I think, is a really good one. It, we don't register it as a mind state, that it, that it has an emotional element to it, because we're so keyed into, they are wrong. <laughs> it's like, zzz. so we might be able to kind of, oh, right, that's a thought, and boy, judgment, wrong. But we haven't quite got, well, what is the emotional component of that? Well, how does it feel in the body? Whereas others of us, for example, may feel things very in a very bodily way, Do you know, you have, you, you feel something, you feel a bit sick and then you, and you think, what's going on? And then you, you start to reflect and you realise, oh, actually, I'm afraid, there's fear. And then you come up into the cognitive bit and you go, oh, I just had that thought, I'm going to die. Or whatever it is. <laughs> Do you see? It's like you kind of and I think some of us we, we we start and end in different places. And and if we don't go through all three realms, just again to take a very another sort of structure that I've found really helpful, we, we don't get the whole experience and we we don't allow the power of mindfulness to actually open all that up to awareness so we can actually unhook or just come out of some of the loops that go go around in that. Or, you know, the third one being the, okay, we're just feeling really angry and we have no idea why. Right? And it's like, maybe we need to just, you know, go up to the cognitive bit and think, hmm, okay, what's going on here? And uh, So, knowing our tendencies, knowing our strengths and our, the areas maybe where we're not so in touch. So recognize, R for recognize. So when you like, you can do it live if you want. As we go, like right now, the sense of systematic, careful attention. This is this is mindfulness of okay, feeling what's going on. You can name what you can name or sometimes you just isn't it just connecting with the the felt sense of something recognizing something is going on and the power of naming something um i just want to read you a little bit here um wonderful book by analio on satipatthana mindfulness Direct the the satipatthana the Come on, Caroline, the direct path to realisation. Anyway, if you want to know, ask me afterwards. Piece of research where a 23-year-old male hospitalised for extreme periodic aggressiveness and alcohol abuse was cured within eight weeks simply by being taught to recognise and mentally name the emotions he experienced. Without even knowing that what he was doing was related to meditation, again that is just so striking, so striking. You no, know, what's it like to say this? You know, this is anxiety. This. You know, this is this is this is the power of, of mindfulness. To be able to simply see and feel, and if it's unclear, again we 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 can stay with it. We can again through steadiness and practice and this kind of courage and a sense of faith in actually being able to bring this non-reactive sense. It's something very. Um, very, very important about this skill of uh, non-reactive awareness, a kind of uh, non-interference, isn't it? When Talking with some people, there's this tendency, you know, what what you resist persists, or you get angry about being angry, or you you get frightened of the fear. And the way that actually a lot of these afflictive emotions are actually... um, continue to be kind of generated and fed because we are we're kind of hooked in with your in reactivity without almost even realizing it relax you know it's like your belly tightens up and you don't even realize it has and that that's part of a, a kind of loop of reactivity So again, I want to try and share with you this. I I feel like it's a crucial piece of practice in this area that Analeo describes so beautifully and clearly. Okay, so let's see if you can see if we can kind of get a sense of this. So he says, maintaining non-reactive awareness of these, you know, of of the what he calls the these these sometimes hidden or subtle mm, emotions and tendencies in the mind so if we can maintain a sense of of non-reactive awareness it counters the impulse towards either reaction or suppression that is contained in the unwholesome state of mind so if you are able to, say feeling fear, if you are not suppressing it, and you're also not sort of, yeah, acting it out, you're not uh, kind of obeying its command. Can you hear the middle wayness of that? There's a middle way. There's something, mindfulness right there in that in that middle we're not suppressing and we're not um, reacting we're not judging we're not trying to get away from it we're not blaming someone else and that that this non reactivity he goes on to say deactivates their emotional and attentional pull this is very counterintuitive because but it, perhaps you all know this in your experience to some extent if you if you can actually be there with with the emotion with without reacting it's strange it doesn't it just it starts to like the wind just starts going out of its sails it can't keep itself going and this is something for you to explore and experiment with and 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 there's but there's something very um isn't it? it's like it's it in a way it's very simple but again like it's not easy because we're so strongly conditioned to to react again even in ways that we don't we can't we don't really fully aware of so i found that very helpful so this is recognize recognize hmm. so the second one is accept and one of the things I think that's so important is we use this word a lot it doesn't mean it's not a policy statement <laughs> it's not a you know it's not well it's it's not a a should or a at like something you stand like you say, you know, I should accept myself, or you know I should it's something much more again isn't it sort of right here and now it has that quality of letting something be again, it's mindfulness, it's another in a way, it's another facet of mindfulness it's not it's not. Anyway, it's not an opinion. It's not. It's not a. Yeah, it, it's, it's not something we we um, we mm, make happen. So there's something about this training in, isn't it? What, whatever it is, let me feel it. This is another quote from Pema Chodron. Whatever it is, let me feel it. And 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 just as as we as we strengthen in that, just just feeling more and more. There's less and less of our feeling life that we have to be frightened of and judgmental of. Um. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Let's go on to. Um, investigate. I mean, in a way, this is all. This is the eye of rain. So, recognize, accept, and investigate. Um, when, when we can um, bring this sense of interest again—a a kind of um, very direct investigation—not again the standing back and. Uh, kind of getting into all kinds of ideas and because and was then and so on but this direct investigation body-mind experience what is actually happening and being able to actually make space for something to actually reveal itself which is I think the other more if you like uh, receptive side of investigation so just give a uh, one small example from my own experience, and maybe you have experiences like this. Where I was once on an airplane, and a lot of fear rose, as it sometimes does. Fear of, you know, whatever the plane crashing and we all die. Um, and having this sense of, okay, let me let me open to this. Let me actually, you know, okay, practice with this. What would that? here I was stuck on this aeroplane feeling like this. okay what am I going to do you know run down run up and down the aisle screaming no I don't think that would be a good idea right you know it's like sometimes we don't practice until we absolutely have to do we <laughs> it's like, hmm. um, so okay so let and actually in on that occasion conditions were cooperative which they're not always are they but and and somehow this, this this opening to that fear, it just started to change and it started to kind of open up but then something started to come and it was like sadness, sadness of grief and then like, oh, it just it just turned into this moment of grief and sadness leaving my beloved England again. And I was like, whoa. Oh. And then, so I just, oh, well, this is interesting. Okay, hang in there, something's happening. Good, right. Let's see what's going to happen next. And then the whole thing kind of, then it shifted again. And there was just this great kind of upsurge of joy and gratitude. And it sounds like all the Brahma viharas Vaharas actually now I think about it all happening. Anyway, there we go. So <laughs> Buddha was onto something. And just like gratitude and just, oh, love for England and life and just such a sense of gratitude and then actually this is the Brahma Viharas. I never thought of it like that, because then that actually what happened after that was just this peacefulness and a kind of like ah, something was something got digested, something got processed, something was allowed to unfold and there was no, in a way there was no dukkha there was no suffering, there was no stressing, there was no sort of resistance, there was no, well I, you know what are people going to think of me or all those different things that can you know I've got to look like I'm not afraid because you know then I'll be alright somehow this is different so just to as an example of of how this sense of of you know the Pali term is dhamma vichaya this sense of the, the dhamma that the, the way something is that when we when we, when we open to it, when we turn towards it, it's like it starts to, re- to uh, be able to reveal its true nature to us, which, of course, as I was saying last night, is change. That's one of its characteristics. And, of course, another one of its characteristics that starts to be clear as we open to this investigation, which kind of leads us to the next bit, which is the end of non-identify is that we can start to relate to these very, very, very personal, very, very me, me, mine, you know, my anger, my fear, my life. We can start to actually feel and recognize and relate to it and understand it as human energy, human experiencing. (laughs) Just happening. Just, just, I don't know if you get a sense of that. And then, ah. There's some freedom in that, there's some kind of, oh this is us, this is this is life expressing itself in a certain way. And the the identification which is which tends to be so strong around emotion, doesn't it? it sort of can be some of our most solid sort of real senses of me, you know, I'm this person who's so sad and i will always be, and even if you don't think that it kind of feels like that. Oh, this is this is so much who I am and then when you when you can I think using these sorts of tools you start to get like it? it's just knotted up energy it's just tied tangled up energy what does it need you know and and just seeing it sometimes whoo, no problem no problem <laughs> something's still happening you know Body's there, mind's there, thoughts going off, bit of motion, no problem. What is the problem? <laughs> what is the problem? That's a koan for you. Hmm. <laughs> There's a. a, a I. Uh, hmm. There's a song I'm going to try and sing a little bit of, which seems relevant to this. I don't know if any of you know it. I shouldn't try and do this, because I'm not sure I can completely remember it, but... It's like, okay. Oh, Oh. (laughs) Stay present, Caroline, stay present. Hang in there. (laughs) First, hang, on, hang on, if you, oh dear, first, <laughs> 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 sorry, <laughs> this is really good, honestly, I, I, I just can't get my pitch now, where to start, <laughs> first, oh, like, first there is a mountain, then there is no mountain, then there is, first there is a mountain, then there is no mountain, then there is, do you get it? Do you get the idea? <laughs> there is a mountain. Somebody told me it's a song from the 60s by somebody or other. I can't remember who now. There's a mountain. There is a mountain. And then there's no mountain. It's just this. It's just... Yeah. So if you don't. Anyway, delete that bit. We'll delete that bit. <laughs> so... Hmm... <laughs> Yes, I think that's what I want to say really, there are some more bits and pieces here but um, I think it's um, in the realm of healing, of freedom, again it's something I was trying to touch on this morning about letting ourselves be works in progress. And that freedom and peace does not have to be postponed until we're perfect. <laughs> Hear me? <laughs> it's just it, you know. And I, I just, it's so. Um, and I think that that's so strong in the realm of emotional life because that is so much where, so much of what we. Feel as problematic in ourselves and in life and in others. It's it's all it's all it's all bound up with this. So if we can recognize and accept and investigate and then non-identify, that actually give back to nature. It's another way of putting it. You know, give back to nature our our heart, our mind you know give it back this is one of the meanings of relinquishment we that we 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 give ourselves back to nature and and in that gesture in that movement and, and in in that intention we yeah we can discover we can discover something of freedom and peace in this very moment So so offer this for your reflections and uh, just let's sit quietly together for a couple of minutes.